0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host Alan Weima. Before we start the show, as always, just wanted to give a shout out. So the sponsor of this podcast is, of course, my consulting company called Plangora. So if you guys are in need of any kind of services in Flutter, Elixir, or Rust, do feel free to reach out. Head over to our website at www.plangora.com. That's p-l-a-n-g-o-r-a.com, and contact us if you're interested in some services. And anyways, back to the main show. We have today a extremely interesting person definitely his practice is super interesting and something maybe I'll look into uh, Ray Lee he is the uh, owner creator of codelessly which is uh, a tool to convert figma designs into working code in flutter and uh, yeah that would be my pitch I think to say how your how your app is. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and give a quick intro, who you are, and uh, maybe a quick intro about the product.
1: Yeah, thanks, Alan, for having me on your podcast. Um, uh, Lots of interesting things to discuss today. Um, A little bit about myself. So I've been developing apps for over 10 years. Um, I developed uh, Android apps initially uh, for six years in a professional capacity. And for the past four years, um, I've been working with Flutter. And I started Codelessly about two years ago um, because Flutter finally uh, gave me an opportunity to solve some really long-running uh, app development problems that I haven't seen solved and I, I didn't believe was possible to solve. Um, but Flutter, uh, a new platform, new technology, um, and it's really exciting. Uh, which is why I started Codelessly. Um, so a little bit about myself, um, a little bit about Codelessly. So Codelessly, as um, Alan mentioned, it's a design um, design and development automation company. Um, our core product uh, is an editor that converts Figma designs into um, apps, websites, and production-ready code.
0: I also want to kind of notice that your your tool is still being worked on at the moment, right? So please don't go rushing to his website. Uh, the only thing you can do is sign up, but I do promote you guys to go ahead and sign up. So you, you did, um, I'll go ahead and give a disclosure. I don't think it's a big deal that you did walk me through the current working version at the time. Um, it was still rough, but actually not as rough as most people's products are at a, at a beta time. So I have to say that. Overall it looks pretty good. It's pretty polished, I think. Um but yeah, like maybe we can kinda talk a little bit more about your your background, right? Because I think it's always good to hear like you know, the story about you because that's gonna lead into why did you create codelessly, I think. There must be something there that sparked this whole entire desire, right? So uh we're, you're originally from uh US, right? But you're in a place that is not really thought about too much, right? It's very very local, I would say. Uh you're out in Kansas City, I believe, right?
1: right um I, i'm actually in uh lawrence
0: kansas um uh, so sorry not too far from kc that's my fault i remember we talked about kc around the time
1: oh yeah no worries um uh, uh yeah a suburb of uh well um uh, the home of the university of kansas um the jayhawks you might uh know of them you know a college football uh, sorry college basketball uh so Yeah, a little bit about my background. Um, I've been doing app development since, well, for a long time, um, for over 10 years. Um, And I started out developing Android apps. And if you developed Android, you know that uh, there's a lot of constraints. There's a lot of limitations. Um, And why do those limitations exist? Um, It's because you're building something on top of uh, the android system so you're hooking into the activities you know the app lifecycle. Um, you're hooking into their xml views um you're you're bound by their constraints like uh, the background services um android has your, uh, previously you know ha- had the background services um now we have a more modern version um called like work uh, managers uh You have all of the existing um, infrastructure and tools that Android gives you, but it's very, very uh, constraining and oftentimes limiting. So I developed uh, quite a few Android apps and libraries. If you look at my GitHub profile, um, I've published like six or seven different Android uh, libraries. Um, I'm a big believer in uh, open source. Um, we can talk a little bit about open source and um, open source is in a really interesting place with um, a lot of emerging business models and actually like venture funding going into open source companies. Um, and it's interesting to see the evolution of that space um, in the past just you know like one or two years and um, think about how it's going to evolve going forward. Um, But, yeah, so um, I developed Android apps. Um, I got really, really tired of uh, all of these things that I wanted to do that I couldn't do. Um, So, like, very simple things like restoring state. Um, (laughs) You needed to, like, be almost an expert. Um, And even if you're an expert, you needed to make a lot of your own a library's classes to be able to uh, just jump the user right back into where they were after your app has been destroyed. Um, Something that simple uh, turns out to be so incredibly difficult. Um, And another thing like analytics, um, observability, Um, you don't really get the best tooling in the mobile development space. So in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking about, okay, how can I develop, you know, some better tools um, to allow people to build better apps, to allow me to build better apps? Um, And Android is just so incredibly, uh, (laughs) I guess, um, things change a lot in Android, um, and sometimes not for the better, um, like the notification system. Um, every year, there's a new API revamp. There's new deprecations. Oh, the deprecations, right? So, uh, yeah, just lots of problems with Android. So, when Flutter came along, uh, I was really impressed. Um, the one, the thing that sold me on Flutter, Alan, is uh, the drop shadows. <laughs> So um, are you aware of like how Android does drop shadows versus how um, iOS and Flutter are able to do drop shadows?
0: My background in Android is just using basic components. So those typical, you know, first level apps that everybody does where they all look the same, that was how my app looked. Uh, I mean, because I first did an iOS app and I use Interface Builder and uh that w- thought that was a good experience but then when i went to android to create the same app i was a little bit shocked they were like oh i have to use xml what is this like 1980 something like i was a little bit confused about why uh this was the this was the moment but this was uh years ago at least uh 10 years ago so um no uh, i have no idea how, how you actually can do some very customized components within android so maybe you can give everybody the the background
1: uh, yeah sure um so um... I've, I've made a few custom views. Um, there are a few ways to build custom Android components. Um, one is you can compose XML using the existing um, components, right? So essentially, uh, the same way you would in Flutter, um, you'd reuse containers, you'd reuse uh, you know, styling containers, uh, you'd reuse the existing widgets um, to build your custom views. Um, That's all in XML. Um, That's pretty simple um, to do, but um, you quickly run into um, a need where uh, you'll need to write your own uh, layout traversal, essentially. So um, there's a few uh, layout override methods that you can um, hook into the Android system. Um, You can extend the view class, um, so the view extending the view class, you now get um, the layout sizing. Um, you can then take that sizing and um, use it to calculate your own bounds. Um, and then from there, there's a, there's two paths that you can go. Um, one is you can continue to use uh, the Android provided widgets um, like text, um, uh, text uh, linear layouts, relative layouts. Etc., um, but you you control the sizing, um, you control the layout um, yourself, um, given you know the the values provided to you by that view, um, or if you're doing something more custom, you can actually uh, do canvas paint. Um, so um, in Android, there's the ability to paint things onto the canvas to draw things, you know, using vectors. Um, Android's vector composition capabilities is actually quite advanced. Um, uh, a, a bit more advanced than Flutter's. Um, so that's, I guess, uh somewhat uh, quick and dirty um, uh, deconstruction of how you would build like a custom
0: view. But now they have this thing called Jetpack Compose now. Isn't that uh, similar to how Flutter works is what I've heard, but I, I've never actually seen it yet. I just see the words. Have you looked at that to see what that's all like?
1: Oh, no, I actually haven't looked at a Jetpack Compose. I'm fully, uh, I'm pretty fully on board with Flutter now. I mean, that's, that, uh, you're touching, Alan, on the limitation of Android, right? So the reason a lot of Android, um, the biggest limitation, one of the biggest limitations of Android was the XML, uh, because XML is static, right? So the moment you want to create anything dynamic, um, you're, somewhat out of luck because uh, Android, it's, you know, a compi- the app is compiled so you can't really change things at runtime, um, which means if you want to um, create dynamic layouts, uh, what you're essentially doing is you're rebuilding, uh, you're building Flutter. Um, you're defining a series of mappings between uh, data structures um, to generate Um, layouts, right? So it's essentially, Flutter essentially solves like so many of the Android
0: problems. You think it's really such a problem to, is it really such a problem? Because I mean, there's still a lot of people doing native Android apps, right? Like I still know a lot of developers who just say, no, this is already great. Um, It could be because they never actually tried out Flutter, but um, do you think it really is such a problem?
1: I think if you want to do, um, if you want to do like advanced um, architectural or framework level development, a Flutter is a lot more accessible in that way. So what I mean by that is, in Flutter, the work that I can do, um, the work that I do in Flutter. Um, like on Codelessly, um, and also in some of my own uh, projects, the equivalent of that in Android would be me going and working on the Jetpack Compose team or me going and working at JetBrains um, to help develop Kotlin, the language itself. (laughs) So we want to be doing that type of work and thinking at that level and trying to build those capabilities, but it's a lot more, like you can do it in Flutter. Um, you can do it, Alan, anyone can do it, you know, in Flutter, but with Android, um, there's a lot more, like, I guess, uh, super glued pieces together, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is amazing, like the stuff that you can do with Flutter. Um, It's really like the limit is your own imagination, I would say. I mean, of course, there's some limitation in the platform, but the idea of composability, it's like, okay, you add this, add this, and then it's kind of limited really by your your mind and how you can compose things, which I think is super interesting. all right, I, I kind of want to roll back a little bit, right? So what actually brought you to Flutter, like to begin with, right? Because it can't just be that one day, like it just kind of was installed in your machine and then you just accidentally opened it. There must have been some talk, something that was like, hmm, let me just take a look at this and see what this is at least, right? I don't think it, you just saw it and said, this is, this," like you said, the drop shadows. Oh, uh, I, I, you know, this is the tool for job shows. This is what I heard, right? So what, what, what kind of happened?
1: Well, uh, I used to visit the Android, and, uh, Android dev Reddit quite a bit uh, because uh, there's always, you know, really good libraries, new libraries posted on there. Um, so I visit the Android dev uh, Reddit. And uh, then in 2018, there was all this conversation about Flutter. Um So that's what uh, that's how Flutter got on my radar. Um, what's funny is that I think in 2020 or something, uh, so 2018 and then 2019, 2020, uh, by that time, uh, the Android dev Reddit, uh, like they they uh, banned Flutter content. So you can no longer post Flutter content on, of the android dev reddit Um, but initially you could uh, because we didn't have our own flutter reddit um, back then so you had a lot of flutter content on the android dev reddit and that's how i got exposed
0: what kind of things were they actually posting on there at the time was it just like different kinds of really interesting uis and kind of that's what started attracting to you or
1: so yeah there was there is the really interesting like ui creations um a a few discussions about um i I mean this is a really (laughs) a few discussions about like state management right and the underlying architecture like how does flutter work um so state management um architecture uh, well flutter introduced the idea of state management uh for the most part to my vocabulary um In the Android world, um, we call it, you know, like architecture, uh, right? So like model view controller, or, you know, at that time is uh, MVVM. So model view view model. Um, So there were a lot of discussions about, oh, hey, you know, what is Flutter doing? Like, what are some of the methods there? Um, And I, 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 I I find that really interesting. I still think it's really interesting. It's an open conversation. It should be um, like. There's definitely room for innovation there, um, yeah. So that's a lot of what was posted. Um,
0: how, how was your first experience with it, coming from Android? Like, I'm, and you must have followed some type of tutorial to kind of get started, or were you just kind of just playing around, or, or kind of what was your first deep, uh, not deep dive, but your first experience?
1: Definitely followed, you know, the setup tutorials, um, and I just like voraciously consumed all of uh the tutorials the code labs uh well i don't think there were code labs then uh, but just the guides about you know how do you make you know basic ui um at that time it was all mostly uh, ui uh, ui tutorials like there was like little to no knowledge or any info about state management <laughs> um except for uh there, the, yes, there was one code lab um, from Google about like how, how to manage state. Um, I think it was with their uh, I, I don't remember the app but it was like a really convoluted and difficult example. Oh with block right So the original original OG implementation of block um, uh, by Dieter Bouland. so um, that was one of the early, um, authors of a lot of um, really influential and helpful uh, Flutter articles and info. Um, I don't think we, yeah, we don't see, um, he hasn't released any content for the last like two years. Um, uh, Dieter Bulland, but uh, yeah, so he had an article about block, uh, but most of the state management info was like extremely convoluted at the time. I um, mean, I actually didn't get it, so uh, I hit, you know, the the, the roadblock um, or the wall uh, <laughs> that a lot of people hit when they learn Flutter, uh, the state management wall, um, and I just put Flutter aside for a month. Um, so that was my experience. Um, I loved the drop shadows. The drop shadows were, oh, oh uh, the thing about the drop shadows is, in Android. Uh, in material design, uh, Google and does something really, really odd with drop shadows. Uh, it uses uh, physics, real physics, to uh, to calculate drop shadows. So that means that it has a light source, and things that are closer to the light source have less shadow, while things further away from the light source have uh, uh, bigger shadows now that sounds cool in theory but no designer <laughs> and no user like would really want that um, because what happens is if you assign a drop shadow with an elevation of say two um, at the very top it's flat you don't see any drop shadow at all but at the very bottom you see a drop shadow of like eight pixels and it's just crazy. It's insane. Um, it, the fact is, uh, it, it's it's it was just very very um, peculiar an Android peculiarity. So with Flutter, I was able to make iOS style drop shadows that are just consistent. Um, it doesn't matter where in the list, you know, top or bottom it is. Um, it's always going to look the same. That's what sold me on Flutter. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I didn't know drop shadows were so interesting. It's kind of like to me it's it is something that of course I have to add sometimes, but uh, yeah I usually had to see it in the design and then just kind of eyeball it and then move on to the next component, but uh, I can understand that drop shadows, uh, I didn't know you know you could make them so complicated to me that just yeah I mean I've done them before especially in CSS so that's why I'm I'm a little bit surprised that yeah, that that was a big thing for for you, <laughs> but uh, we all have things that really attract us. Um, so I, it sounds like that drop shows in in general, from your from your past, was just like a pain to really get right. That's really kind of what attracted you,
1: right? Right, um, especially since uh, this was back in uh, the days when you know we had gingerbread. Uh, that's Android uh, two point three. Uh, We had gingerbread, honeycomb, and then uh, ice cream sandwich, and then lollipop, right? So between all of these versions, like just things change so much. So this the Android API spec, um, you have drop shadows that look this way on a lollipop. They look completely different on an older uh, uh, Android version. And, and that's part of the Flutter promise, right? So you build it and it looks the same, no matter what platform on Android or iOS or web or desktop. And that promise is just so powerful and so beautiful.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, thats a pretty, pretty big goal. Now um, uh, I, I want to start to kind of lean back towards the main topic, right? Um so did you did you actually deliver some production flutter apps before you start working on Coldestly, or was it just kind of playing around or kind of what what happened after you started getting into flutter some more Um so what uh, th-
1: I there is a production flutter app um I helped build that you can check out right now Um so um I helped build the NoCD um the treatment app OCD treatment app um so it's called in OCD. Um, and if you have OCD, or if you know anyone with OCD, um, that app provides digital telehealth treatment. Um, so that app is uh, now completely built in Flutter, um, and I helped build that app. Um, so that's currently production. Uh, in production. It's used by um, over 50,000 people. Um, and it's, well, uh, if you have OCD or if you want to see um, a high-quality, like, medical treatment app uh, built in Flutter, uh, definitely go check it out. Um, so that's my production-level work. But other than that, um, i played around with Flutter a bit, uh, but Codelessly is... Uh, it's going to be the Flutter app that I'll be building.
0: Okay. So I think I kind of want to start to kind of lead back towards the product, right? So what was it that gave you this inspiration to do codelessly, right? Because that's a huge endeavor. You have to do a lot of stuff. Basically, your most of your time is going to be at the beginning of this, what they call shaving the yak, right? You have to dig into... Uh, Flutter itself, you have to dig into Figma and how it all works, creating a plugin, because you have a plugin that actually works with it, uh, understanding how Figma files work, I'm guessing, so that you can read the data and somehow translate that into Flutter. Like that That's huge. I'm sh- Did you have any idea what you're getting into when you started this process?
1: Yeah, pretty. Um, I, I think I had a pretty good idea. Um, so... Uh, you're just scratching the surface, Alan. It actually goes quite a bit deeper. Um, so I knew from the very beginning that I wanted to pretty much write everything from the ground up. So my perspective is that to solve actual problems, um, you have to rethink pretty much everything. So uh, you were just scratching the surface just to give you an idea of like what... Um, just how much work there is and just how deep it goes Uh, we um, i pretty much wrote um, our own state management system Um, i wrote our own code gen library so um, we've built um, a production level code gen pipeline Um, so one thing i like to talk about um, in terms of the product is building pipelines um, you can build a product, you can build features, but the actual foundational work in solving the actual problems is building a pipeline that um, to, to convert data, um, design data into code data. Um, so yes, there is a tremendous amount of infrastructure work. Uh, like just writing the state management library took like five to six months. Uh, the CodeGen library took, you know, three to four months. Um, and we also, uh, one thing we're working on now that you saw a little bit of that um, is still quite a few, uh, there's quite a few issues, is our layout engine. Um, we, we, wrote, we wrote our own layout engine from the ground up um, just to solve these fundamental problems Um, Because we want to support exporting to HTML and we also support exporting to Flutter. So there's layout discrepancies that have to be managed somehow, right? So maybe that gives you a little bit of idea about, yes, there is a lot going into Codelessly, uh, but there's a lot more um, that we're doing in order to build right and to solve the actually the actual base essential problems
0: so, uh, so I mean yeah there's there's a lot a lot of stuff right um you did know what you're getting into before you started this right and you're you're fully yeah. happy with 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 all that it's been what you said it's was it two years Should you say or something it's been In quite some years. time. yeah so, what what keeps you motivated? I mean, two years is a long time to stick on to one thing. You know, developers are known to leave a job after a year or so. So this is kind of more common these days. like how do you, how do you stay motivated to keep working on this?
1: Um, it's really simple, Alan. Uh, there's uh, there's two motivations primarily. um, one is uh, what we're building here, like no one else is building. So, uh, we're trying to solve these problems that if we weren't solving, um, other people wouldn't be solving. And I refuse to. I refuse to lower my quality standards. Um, I, I don't want to use a tool that someone else has built that isn't of high quality, um, and like based on all the other um, uh, website app builders i've seen um, it doesn't do what i want it to do Um, and what i want to do is so very simple Um, maybe you can pull up the diagram but all i want to do is be able to tell a design um, exactly how it works and just have it work and that's it like the designer's already done the work of designing why can't i just take that design and have it be working code. So that's my uh, first motivation. My second motivation is that we are essentially in a battle um, for the future of software development. Um, There's AI on the horizon. There's a lot of threats to how developers work um, that I, I believe are very present, and very pertinent. And there's a lot of differing perspectives um, on how the future of software development should be. And I want to have a say, and I want to fight for a future where we give developers control, we give regular people control, versus giving these closed-source, you know, uh, no-code tools or closed source apps, or giving it to those corporations. Um, I think, I think the balance and the future of software development is really at stake here.
0: I mean, looking at some of these other ones that are similar to your, to what you have, what, what would actually come close to describing to people? Cause like, you know, like we said, your, your product is still not out yet. Um, you're kind of using it. You're actually kind of always testing it out. Uh, And I'm sure you also get inspiration. Of course, you must have checked the market to see what else is out there. Can you relate some other uh, products that are very similar so people get an idea about what that would be like to actually work with this? Okay,
1: great. So our our promise at Carelessly, the vision is extremely simple. Um, So step one, you have your design from Figma. You have your design for Figma and eventually, you know, sketch and Adobe XD, right? So you have the design. It's there. <laughs> you can see that, hey, you know, there's a button. There's a list. There's an input field. There's a bottom bar. Um, there's a scrollable. You know, you can see all of these components, right? So... Why isn't there a tool that just lets me tell the design what what to do and just have it work? And that's what Codelessly is supposed to be. So in step one, you import the design using our plugin uh, from Figma. You import it into our editor. And then in step two, in our editor, uh, we have uh, the ability, we give you the ability to tell the design how it should work. Um, So you can see that there's an input field. Um, We'll give you the ability to tell it, hey, that's an input field. Um, You'll also be able to uh, easily compose uh, rows and columns together. So if you select items that are in a row, um, our algorithm is smart enough to know that it's a row, um, and you can turn it into a row. Um, And for the bottom bar, um, we have components as well that you can easily um, convert a bottom bar into one of our bottom bar components.
0: Okay. Yeah, I do have a question about some of these things, right? Because I'm thinking back to when I had to work with designs. And um, I think one that came out to me immediately was the scroll scroll bar, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff, usually they really take like a rectangle. And when I say they, I mean those designers that that always make developers' lives so difficult, you know? The the designers always, not always, but I, I remember sometimes they're actually just rectangles, right? So literally, you, you can click on a rectangle within codelessly and say, this is a scroll bar. And this can actually translate over into actual working code, right?
1: Correct. Um, not with the specific scroll bar example, perhaps, uh, but with list views, if you're talking about list views, Um, yes, we can make things scrollable. Um, we can make list views, we can make things scrollable. Um, so those two specific use cases are definitely, uh, supported. Um, and then yeah, you can just take it and turn it into code.
0: Yeah. But I think it's also important to say not just code, right? We, we talked about this in our last meeting. It's actually relatively decent code, right? It's stuff that you would write yourself. Um, you know, like like I said to you before, I remember working years ago with Dreamweaver, and you try to lay out stuff, and you get all this kind of crap code, and if you did it by hand, it would be maybe a third of what Dreamweaver would give you, and definitely much easier to work with. But what you uh, did, and I believe you, you actually spent a ridiculous amount of time making this work, is <laughs> try to make the code as developer-written-friendly-like, right?
1: Right, right. So... That's why we wrote our own cogen library, um, and um, we, we're, we also were writing our own. Lay, we wrote our own layout engine uh, because responsiveness. That's that's one area that, like pretty much all of the existing tools fail at. Right, um, they can't do responsiveness, and if they do responsiveness, it's their really bad um, like proprietary responsiveness code that you really can't use. Um, But what we've done with our own layout engine is we've made it so that it generates exactly the layout code, the responsive rows, the responsive columns and text code that you would get if you wrote it yourself in Flutter. And also for HTML as
0: well. Can we talk a little bit about how can we make this responsive, right? So now we have these foldable devices coming out so many things are happening at the moment uh, with and also every single day you're going to get these kind of budget devices with very small screens, low resolution, and you're going to get these high end devices with uh, some you Now, nowadays it used to be or, you know, before in the past where I used to be kind of small screens. Steve Jobs was a big was not a big fan of these phablets. Uh, but now phablets are back even for Apple uh, since the last couple of years. And, uh, yeah, they're getting bigger. And then also there's the mini iPhones and these kind of things. Like, uh, how can I use codelessly to handle these things? Is it like I have to take a component and then somehow anchor it and say, always oh, stay a certain percentage from the sides? Or, like, how would uh, I kind of handle these variant screen sizes? So
1: uh, we drew inspiration uh, from Flutter. And what Flutter does with responsiveness that it does very, very well is it's pretty much automatic if you make a row in flutter um, and you you know wrap the text in flexibles to avoid those overflow errors uh, your row is going to be responsive Um, so that's our responsiveness philosophy that's where we started from Um, we want to we well we're working to support um, we're almost there and we're working to support all the responsiveness that you can do inside of flutter but because we have our own layout engine we actually go one step further so in our v2 um, after we release um, based on user demand um, we can actually support um, additional responsiveness controls that flutter itself can't even support um, one example of that would be setting constraints, to, uh, setting constraints on an item inside of a row or column. Um, Flutter doesn't accept constraints on items inside rows and columns; it overrides it with the flex. But with our own layout engine, we can actually support that. So, initially, what we'll be doing is we're just going to give you the controls to allow you to do responsiveness how Flutter would let you do it. Eventually, based on user research and feedback, we might create an intuitive responsiveness system that can supplement Flutter, that can supplement a web.
0: I think responsiveness is kind of the old what I would say the old school thing, right? Now we have to worry about adaptiveness, right? Maybe we can talk a little bit about responsive versus adaptive, and then talk about how code to see. you you already start to handle some adaptive capabilities, I think, right? If I remember correctly from our last talk,
1: yeah, um, adaptive is really simple, Alan, uh, or comparatively simple. Um, so there's two uh, two things, uh, two features with adaptiveness.
0: So can we first just define what is adaptive, right? Because maybe not everybody understands what that means. It's a relatively new term and really specific for flutter, I think. Right. Um, so
1: my understanding of adaptiveness, and this is uh, what um, what someone actually taught me. So I, uh, A Louis Daniels. Um, he's a you know pretty famous flutter developer. Um, he's built a lot of really cool things. Um, he actually, one of I listened to one of his talks, and uh, this is where I get the adaptiveness definition from. So responsiveness is responding to, um, so the layout itself responds to screen size changes. Adaptive layouts is changing the layout in response to um, devices or um, screen sizes. I completely butcher that, but... Uh, <laughs> Does that somewhat, do I somewhat get the gist?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would just say um, being adaptive is kind of like adjusting the interface to fit the platform, something like that. Um, Yeah, so it's like the idea that uh, on iPad, you have more space, so you can show a sidebar. But not even just that, right? That's kind of a little bit more responsive. But the adaptive part is that you would use like a two-finger tap maybe to pull up a secondary menu. I think you could do that if I remember correctly. Um, but in any case, you don't have a right-click. You don't have hover. But if you take the same app and you export it to web or desktop, you have the ability at least to hover. You have a mouse, right? And so the idea is that you need to... you depending upon the platform, you would offer uh, native experiences to interact with it, right? Not just about, you know, if it's this wide, then show this. If it's this wide, then do that. It's also, if this platform has these abilities, do this. Otherwise, don't. And I think that's kind of uh, a huge part of it. And that definitely will, will, it, it can make some major changes to your app, right? Especially even even for like iOS, Android. I mean, you could still, if this is iOS, use Cupertino. If this is uh, Android, use Material. Right. You can you can start this from the beginning. Right. Yeah, right. and it, and I think there's a lot of components that are already, not a lot, but there's quite a few components when Flutter that already support similar things. Like I think um what's it called the switch? I don't remember what the name of component is within Flutter, but I believe switch, and then you can set adaptive, and depending upon which platform you're in. You're going to get a native looking one because like a switch in iOS looks different than a switch in uh, Android. I think, I think I saw a design. I think I saw something from somebody where they showed you're going to see a checkbox within Android, but then you're going to see a toggle switch within iOS, which is really quite different, but they work about the same. It's the idea of turning things off and on.
1: Right. That's interesting, Alan. Um, you're completely right about um, how adaptiveness um, is related to the underlying platform that uh, you're running the UI on. Um, so you have adaptive layouts and then you have a platform adaptiveness as well. Um, and just in that like discussion right there, I think it goes to show how, UI, how complex UI can be and also how UI isn't a solved problem yet. So that's what's really exciting. Uh, there's definitely room for so much innovation here. Um, and there's so many problems that haven't been solved. Um, uh, with that adaptive switch, what's really interesting is that's like one of the only examples of that Flutter really provides you with an adaptive component. And it's it ties into, um, as far as I know, it ties into uh, the Flutter team's, um, I guess, their... Um, philosophy so at the very beginning initially it was like okay we want to give you these components that can look you know native to ios and then also look native to uh, material um, android um, and then you can just use them and your life's easy but users actual developers we ran into i think so many issues um, that maybe the Flutter team has somewhat given up on that philosophy, um, especially with the introduction of like web and um, Mac OS and also Windows. Um, So now they're like, okay, we're gonna pull back a bit perhaps on the UI um, components um, and we'll let you, the community, make the UI components instead.
0: Yeah, there's been a, a ridiculous amount of people coming in. Like, uh, I think the last, um, what was it? The last engage, right? When they said we're, I think they said the produ- now it's production ready for for Windows, if I remember correctly, right? And so they kind of came out and they said, oh, okay, we, we did you know that we also have a, a, a community led library? So your app will actually look just like a real Windows app. Like you're saying, right? This is adaptive in that case, right? Because you're expecting things to act and look a certain way, which is uh, huge, right? I mean, if you could... Wow, well, I mean, I think we're steering too much off the topic, but it would be really interesting to to see... Uh, yeah, to see... Well, let's just see. What what do you actually handle right now? Let's talk about that, right? So you do you do, do some adaptability, right? So let's talk about that. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, our adaptiveness is pretty limited, uh, but... When I say limited, um, what I actually mean by that is uh, we have the best in class. Uh, We have the capability that no other tool has. So that's what I mean by limited. (laughs) Um, So the adaptiveness support, we support adaptive layouts. Um, One common use case that um, uh, in my user research I've ran into is um, you export a landing page from Figma. Um, and designers develop both mobile and a desktop version so you import both of those into codelessly and with a single button click um, you can actually set the breakpoints so you can show the desktop layout on screen sizes larger than say 480 and you can show the mobile layout on screen sizes smaller than 480 pixels wide and our library um, supports that supports that already. So it supports that breakpoints. Uh, we support breakpoints and we support breakpoint layout switching.
0: So you can only limit these on the screen sizes, not on the platform itself? Uh, not yet. Okay, that's still pretty huge. I'm
1: mm-hmm. oh, sorry, limiting based on say a platform, uh, that will actually tie into our a variant feature. So uh, we wanna give, you, give users the ability to create different layouts, layout variants based on variables, and based on these different properties.
0: Okay, what kinds of properties would would uh, clarify to be a variant? Yeah, so uh,
1: let's say you had, um, you had a rating, a bar, right? So you have five stars, um, five stars in a rating bar. Um, you see these rating bars, you know, in the App Store. It, um, you see it, you know, on Google Maps. Um, you see it, you know, whenever someone wants feedback. Hey, how did we do, right? Uh, so let's. So you have this UI component, five stars. Well, you pass it a variable um, called star count. Um, if it's, you know, zero, then you have a variant that displays zero stars. If you have, if it says five, um, then you have a variant that displays five stars so that's the variant type of support that uh, we want to add um, and we
0: will be adding okay so with these variants i can also start to declare some more adaptive kinds of styles yeah so we want to be able to support um, we,
1: we've prototyped supporting conditionals um, so you can show different layouts um, or layout properties based on of the variable inputs that you pass. And uh, based on your feedback, Alan, passing in the platform as a variable input, that sounds like a great idea.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm trying to think about how would you envision this to be used? Um, you know, what what's like your end goal? Like, can we describe what would be, you know, from end to end to deliver a product, right, from idea to app store? What would that process look like using Codelessly?
1: Yeah, um, great question, Alan. So, we we, we don't um, our end goal isn't the app store. Um, we're we're we don't want to be, you know, we don't want to be publishing apps for you, really. Um, there's there's a lot of other companies out there that do that. Uh, but uh, I think that's a, reaching a bit too far. Um, no, in uh, fact...
0: what, I, what I'm trying to say is like, I w- I'm curious about like, if people really want to use this in their work to make life easier, how would this aid, right? So I'm not saying publish it to the app store for himself. I'm saying like, from idea to app store, like the whole process of building an app, how would this tool, where would it be in the process? Would it be Maybe in the prototype stage, um, how much would, how much work? Or sorry, how much can I do within Codelessly? Like, is there going to be a place where I could just type my Dart code for my business logic within there? You know, you know. That's kind of what I want to see. Like, what, like, what's the end? Not like where it is right now, but kind of like where do you envision, if in this in the process? Like, okay, so step one, we have an idea. Step two is probably start to design it. Uh, maybe you can take it from there.
1: Okay, so uh, there's uh, we can either talk about Codelessly with AI or Codelessly without AI. Uh, <laughs> uh, but to answer your question right now, and and okay, where, where I envision it to, to be um, is you import designs from Figma, um, and then eventually you can actually just build designs inside of Codelessly yourself. Um, so you'll have your component library, you'll you'll have your design system tied to actual working components that you can just use inside of Codelessly. Um, And then you get a cloud UI um, output. So you can integrate our cloud UI into your app. Um, So you can publish whatever you see in Codelessly directly to your app, or um, we, we, we will always give developers and our users the freedom to export all of the code. So we want to give developers the power to integrate into their own workflows. And that means you can use codelessly as much as possible or as little as you want. Um, we want to support a range of outputs.
0: Uh, based on what I seen last time, I can imagine that, I think I already walked this through with you, uh, You know, so the designers working very hard on their design they think it's good to go. They would then import it into codelessly. And uh, from from this point on, I think this is where our views differed, right? I think from here, this is where you were thinking that the developer would then step in and start to connect the design components to actually make them usable. But I was thinking more that The designer because they already did all the planning that they would be the one to say this is a button this is a whatever and it really start to define how these components work from there i mean there's no it's i don't think there there's no way to actually add in logic right it's just that you'd have all the ui and then it would be exported using that that uh like a window pane if i remember correctly where you could just basically copy and paste Right. And that one you would copy and paste it to wherever you're going to be writing your stuff, Android Studio, Visual Studio, and then you would have to continue on your way, right?
1: Right. So that's um, the dev- designer to developer handoff. Um, but you mentioned a really good use case where it. Uh, we, we also want to be able to go end-to-end um, in a lot of use cases because a lot of um, users they don't know code Uh, they're actually if they saw the code they'd be pretty afraid Um, they just want to be able to publish this you know as a website or publish it as an app Um, so we want to support that flow as well uh, but not at the expense of the code so the code getting the code right is definitely Of the top priority Um, and then our secondary priority is the end-to-end flow um, where designers business users can just build working apps inside of codelessly without ever having to leave codelessly
0: yeah that would be huge right i mean i think that's kind of where we're going these days is less insulation on your local machine So even even uh, containers, I think, is kind of going to be out of shop, right? Because a lot of these companies, even like Photoshop and all, like Figma, right? You looking at uh, your what you have, as I said, it's like wow, this looks like looking at Figma already the the way see works, which you know up that's that's fine. Like let's make it familiar, right? That's that's okay to go that way. Um, we do have a question from friend of the show John Cumming in the live chat. He asks, "Will it be open source?"
1: So our editor in- won't be open source uh, but um, our libraries um, and our code uh, will be open source so the code export and the libraries that uh, we use to build carelessly um, and we use to build our components will be
0: open source and i believe that you're going to be targeting only flutter web right or are you actually planning to have a desktop version
1: uh, once desktop is stable more stable than it is right now um uh, we definitely want to have a desktop app as well, because the desktop app is, I'd say, 20 to 40 times more performant than Flutter Web.
0: Another friend of the show, Tony Thomas, asks, do you have any funding? Uh,
1: right now, we're all, um, I- I'm self-funding Codelessly. Um, there's a few reasons for that. Um, and, and right now in this space, um, it's, it's a really hot space. Uh, But the direction that we want to take um, and the valuation that we are looking at um, right now, it makes sense for me to self-fund it for the most part.
0: Um, Is it I mean, that's a huge amount of money. Can you give an idea about how much you've invested into this or is that that a secret?
1: Uh, I'd say that's a secret for now, but I hope to. Uh, reveal it um once we uh, once we you know uh, launch this product once people see like codelessly and people are able to use it so people can have an idea of just what it like what can you do uh, with like x amount of money um and <laughs> what can't you do <laughs> with x amount of money Um, So that might be interesting to give people an idea.
0: Now, uh, my question is now, the, um, how do I say this? Um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, But... And maybe it's just too early. Coffee's still not kicking in, but in, in any case, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see this. Oh, actually, here, here's my train of thought. Uh, for two years, that's, that's a lot to put into a product, right? So I'm guessing, are you actually using this thing to um, bring in more revenue for the company by actually developing apps for other people and using this as kind of like a test bed? So it's kind of like dog feeding.
1: Um, so we won't, uh, uh, countlessly, we're not an agency. Uh, we, we won't compete with developers, um, and so which means we won't develop apps for other companies. Um, so uh, no to that question. Um, right now, uh, we are very close to being able to build um, a lot of parts of Codelessly in Codelessly itself. Um, and when that happens, that's going to be absolutely huge. Um, in fact, this picture that you have on the screen in front of you, um, that was all uh, built inside of Codelessly. So uh, we're using it to uh, plan our project roadmap. Uh, We're using it for project management, for tracking issues. Uh, What's great about building a product like Codelessly is that if you have an issue with Codelessly, uh, you can just create a live demo of that issue inside of codelessly itself and tag it
0: wow that's that's really interesting yeah so it's really great so it's kind of a weird thing to think about codelessly is building itself basically
1: eventually um, our my development philosophy here is that in the at the end of the day the only thing we should be working on is the codelessly editor itself if we want to have you know a support chat, if we want to have a projects page, if we want to have a settings page, we want to build user access controls, all of those business features, um, we should be able to build it inside of Codelessly. And once we're able to do that, that means that everyone in the world will be able to do that as well. And that's what's really exciting.
0: For me, yeah, that's that's definitely exciting. Um, yeah, I think I don't think I have any more questions or particulars. there anything else you wanted to say about Codelessly before we start to to sign off?
1: Um, right now, you can go to codelessly dot com. So, uh, code less and then <laughs> Lee L L Y uh, dot com um, to uh, sign up for our beta. Um, And, uh, yeah, right now our website is uh, in quite a bit of, you know, stealth mode, um, so you won't see much. But if you subscribe to our newsletter, you'll find um, a few tidbits here and there and a beta invite hopefully soon. Do
0: you have any idea when the beta will drop and when the final production ready will be ready? (laughs) Uh,
1: In a month or two, hopefully. Uh, But we've been saying that since um two years ago
0: (laughs) yeah there's always something something new and always something that kind of comes up right and things that you want to change this is hope hopefully this will come up within this year right I'm i'm hoping so it looks really exciting
1: yeah it will definitely come out in 2022 um in the next few months we're getting very very
0: close all right that's good Uh, yep. Anything else? I just don't want to to leave something off the table, but yeah, that's good to drop the, um, the link. I already dropped the link into the live chat so people can see it.
1: Uh, we never got to, uh, discuss AI. Uh, we never got to discuss, um, some software development trends. Oh man, there's so much to talk about. Um, but I guess that's a conversation for next time.
0: Yeah, we can always have you again uh, to come on, which is, I'm totally fine with that. If you, when when you uh, have some, some time, we can talk about the AI stuff. Not a lot of people are talking about it. And I think that's when we talked before, right? It's like my, my time with that was all like, you know, this low code, no code is still not quite there yet, but maybe someday it'll get there at least enough that you'll get something there. It depends on what you need right the more customized you you want it's just it just probably cannot be done at the current moment but simple stuff i think it's it's fine there's a lot of tools out there that do this kind of work for you right
1: what i think a lot of not to delve into the conversation but just to like tease it as a spoiler is a lot of people don't realize that the biggest threat to developers or the biggest threat to the work that you do isn't that someone else or you know ai will do the work that you're doing the biggest threat is that this new technology is going to change the nature of the work you do so for example a lot of people like say you know you have a team of 20 people building an enterprise um an enterprise you know uh revenue management system well what's the threat there the threat from ai is that the ai replaces your entire revenue management system so now you don't have any software that needs to be developed (laughs) because the ai is managing your revenue
0: yeah i think i think you i think yeah it's going to be a an effect on our process. I can imagine more tools like what you're building will definitely be there. Uh, hopefully that you know the output will be up to par, right? I mean, we already have like Android Studio, they already have something similar. Well, somewhat, they're in the same realm, I think, where you can kind of drag and drop the component builder, right? And of course, Interface Builder within iOS is doing similar thing. Right. Cool, uh, yeah, that, that would be a very interesting topic. I'm than really happy to have you on. You can feel free to schedule when you're when you're free and we can just discuss about that. I think that would be great.
1: Yeah, um, when we, so I have the vision of Codelessly with AI is that um, we wanna collect 40 million design to code conversions um, and then build an AI model that um, can replace step two so um, step one, import from Figma. Step two, tell the design how it works. Uh, we want to replace that. if with And you can do it with AI. So that way, you can just take a design and you can tell the design. You can communicate, give it specs, um, iterate on top of the design. And then the design just instantly works. Um, and we want to collect that data. Um, and I'd love to come back on and show you the roadmap for how AI can automate um, this part of software development.
0: That would be a long time coming because 40 million, I mean, it's going to take a while. The first million will be the longest one, probably, right? The second million, third million, 10 million will be easy after that.
1: Right. Uh,
0: with, with 40 million,
1: you can build. You know a model that's pretty much guaranteed to work um, but I say that with the same confidence that Elon Musk does when he says self-driving cars are coming you know next year
0: <laughs> well um, they're not from what I've seen they're not doing too far off from that's much better than I thought actually but uh yeah like you know we all know that there's a lot of th- noise that you have to handle right a lot of things Mm-hmm. And things are always in perfect condition when you test them out right but the world's not perfect right. Yeah again, thank you for coming on. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to Coly actually coming out. I, I didn't sign up yet, but I should sign up so I can kind of keep track about how it's going. Well, thanks for having me on Alan. Yeah thank you for making time for this and I appreciate you talking about your park before you even release it yet. It's, uh, it's you could you know you may make some pretty bold statements so hopefully when it comes out people don't look back at this and see is, is this true what he said is this true what he said so but otherwise i've seen it as we talked about and i think that it's exciting well thank you thank you for your time and uh yeah hopefully happy back again soon all right take care